Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline DeStrims, and twice a month I'm here to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by Another Hand Advantage, where I create marketing strategies for community-minded small businesses and nonprofits. So let's get today's show started. Um, Joining me in the studio today, I have uh, Sophie and here we go. Before the show, we had all that time, and I did not go over <laughs> how do I pronounce your last names. We have Sophie Etchart. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, you could have said that you did it already. <laughs> um, she's the founder and CEO at uh, Read Better, Be Better. And then I'm also joined by Adam Arkfeld, president of Paracore. Welcome. Thank you both so much Thanks. for being here. Thank you. Great. <laughs> yeah, I see we had all that time before and I I thought there should be something I'm doing, but I didn't do it. But yay, I got it. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure that I know how to pronounce it, to be honest. <laughs> it's by marriage, so we're still working into it with right. an accent change as oh. well. <laughs> um, so yeah, so welcome to the studio. Let's start off um, just doing some, some quick introductions. Sophie, uh, why don't you tell me um, a little bit about... Um, I'm going to read better, be better. Mm -hmm. So read better, be better. Our mission is to help children improve literacy skills and become better learners. But what we do that's kind of cool around that is that we train, um, we more like inspire, I would say, Mm -hmm. um, middle schoolers. So the middle schoolers will actually implement a a reading comprehension scripted curriculum. Right. Um, And so we partner with public school districts to make that happen. Um, And so after school, the kids just meet up and they work one-on-one. Um, and we're trying to improve their grade literacy, but we're also trying to sort of inspire a generation of people who know what it feels like to make a difference in someone else's life and hopefully choose to do that more as they grow up. Right. And I think that's actually what drew me so much when I was learning more about your organization was um, the fact that it did include the eighth graders in that. Mm-hmm. And like you said, inspiring them to go on to be mentors or volunteers or, or something like that. So I really like that aspect of it. And I want to touch on that again in a little bit here. Adam, how about you? Why don't you tell me a little bit about um, Paracore and then we'll kind of get into um, a little bit about why you're both here together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I own Paracore, which is a digital marketing agency based out of Phoenix. And Paracore's you know, mission or purpose is really to enrich lives. And we do that through a couple different mediums. Uh, one is um, through digital marketing, which helps our companies grow and prosper and flourish and just become bigger and better businesses in whatever respect they want. And then the other two pieces uh, are employees where we're giving back to them and, and, you know, enriching their lives and helping them grow. And then the community, which is how we met Sophie. So um, we specialize in pay-per-click marketing, which is digital advertising through Facebook ads, AdWords, Bing, Instagram, and basically all paid channels for a variety of, you know, um, small to medium-sized businesses. Great. So somebody who might be listening might going, oh my gosh, so what's the connection here? So how... Does Paracore, uh, you touched on, you know, doing things in the community. You touched on how uh, you work with Sophie. So why don't we start kind of from the beginning? How did you, who became aware of who? Who reached out to who? How did that connection start there? And and what is it that you're you're doing to, to work with um, Sophie? I, <laughs> to do that? Well, I, can, I know how it started. As soon okay. as it gets to the technical bit, then yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know We'll what piece it all that. together. Um, <laughs> but we were doing... You know, I believe that our work is community work and it's it's only as successful as, you know, the kids and the surrounding community um, who kind of make it happen. That's what we came from was that um, our public schools are are struggling. And I believe that we have a responsibility as a community to, to surround them um, and do what we can to help. And so we were doing outreach to other small businesses. You know, we were, we were this was two years ago. So, I mean, we were serving 10 schools. I was a start, a full-time staff of one. So we were trying to get our story out into the community and have people inspired by what the data that we were getting, what we were able to happen on a very micro, micro scale. Um, so I had a volunteer that was reaching out to, to local businesses. I went Oh my god! I like I went to boxing gyms, I went to laundromats, <laughs> I went to. She kind of made connections with 
anyone and everyone that we could that was this living and working in in um, the Arizona community and Paracol was one of those businesses and what what I firmly believe in is that yes we need to kind of inspire people around our specific mission but then what that leads to is and Adam and I were talking on the phone um we have to create long-term relationships. And I believe in order to do that, both sides have to do things that are very authentic to to them. And so I never meet a business and say, this is what we need you to do. I'm, I meet a business, we talk about what it is that Read Better, Be Better does. Um, and then we talk about how how can we truly partner? And that word is thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can we truly partner in a way that's authentic to both both businesses? And we'll hopefully, and I think it's sort of secondary, is, you know, hopefully we won't know what, what eventually that ends up being but right. let's start on a you know on a on a very small level about something that we kind of both want to do that that feels like the right thing to do at the time and i i believe that that authenticity and that kind of mutual benefit leads to phenomenal opportunities um so i imagine the first conversation was you know kind of what do you guys do mm-hmm. what does your team do what do you want to do is there is there anything that you're not doing that um that you kind of want to get into like we have photographers who donate so much of their time and they say what i really want to do though is i want to practice video and we're like pretty sure that your video is going to be better than anything that we can come <laughs> up with my iphone so go for it yeah right. um and so so Adam came up with the AI. I know it will have been Adam's idea because it definitely wasn't my idea <laughs> um, of, of saying, well, we have these Arizona tax credits. Now, we have a marketing list of, at that point, maybe 100 people. Mm-hmm. Everybody in Arizona can donate $400 if you're single and $800 if you're married um, to a qualifying charitable organization. And that uh, the qualifying means that you're, you're reaching a certain portion of the, of the population right. that, that, that really need it. And so his point was, well, we can get that message out um, in a way that Read Better, Be Better never could. And that's kind of, I I think, where it started. Mm -hmm. Right. And so kind of when she approached you, Adam, I mean, were you already looking for um, an organization to work with in the area? Had you been working with organizations before? How did that come about? Yeah, Paracore is coming up on 10 years Mm -hmm. and in February. And for the first five or six years, there was really no charitable giving back. We were small, um, really just focused on growing the business. And it it just wasn't a thing for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And But as uh, many people know, as, as time goes on, you know, kind of the, the purpose question starts to set in. And it's one thing to be helping businesses, which is what our business does. But if you're not feeling fulfilled, obviously, that's not going to go incredibly far. So as that started to materialize and we were really focusing on, you know, what are we doing for our people, for the community, and like, what are we doing more internal? We started doing some one-off events that are a little bit more standard where we would take a team outing day for a half day and go mm-hmm. do something like um, Phoenix Tool Bank comes to mind. And then as that evolved and we were doing that, it, it still felt a little bit one-off and, you know, you can go home and say like you did a charitable thing, which is, is great. I mean, right. you know, it's not a bad thing. But it just, it felt a little bit surface level for us. Mm-hmm. And so I think when uh, the timing just worked out really well, when we met Sophie and uh, I and Paracore were looking for something a little bit deeper than we could, um, that we could focus our efforts on for a longer period of time and use our skills to help in a different way where we had a unique skill set that could contribute. That's really just, I think the timing was a little bit convenient and right. um, it worked out really well. Right. You were both, it sounds like you were both kind of in that place, like Sophie mentioned, looking for that long-term um, relationship. And um, and same for you, Adam, just looking for that. So what, what organization can we work with long-term and have even a bigger impact rather than, like you said, the one-off um, events, which are, which are great, but, uh, but sometimes, um, you know, you lose that, like you said, you, you, it's surface level and then you lose that focus afterwards and it's easy enough to right after you're finished with that say yay we did something great and then move on and then maybe six months from then think again oh yeah we should probably do something again but it looks like you guys have kind of you know built that relationship and so what did that look like in the beginning what did you what did you focus on with um with that campaign that um sophie had mentioned with the tax credits if I remember correctly, and this I think was maybe started two years ago, the the, the very first thing we did is I, I believe we did an event where we did. The we did. I was just going to say it's yeah. kind of funny because we design, we do have one 
traditional and in inverted commas um, corporate event that we do. But it's it's interesting that what you were saying is that we do it a very strategically because mm-hmm. we have we now have a full time staff of five, but still um, they're pretty busy um, running the program, um, and so. We do it with companies that we believe there is a potential for a long-term relationship. And and that that event in itself is designed to be more than a you know than a one-day thing. So the event it's it's volunteering, but we we kind of create the volunteering activity around the objective that we want to achieve. And the objective that we want to achieve is that we want all those people around that table to fundamentally understand what we do, have a team building, so a, a sort of authentic experience around this outreach while they're doing it mm-hmm. um, and the end result is that our kids actually benefit so what what we have what we organize for corporates um who are we really only do it if you're an existing partner mm-hmm. or if you're considering you know partnering us in some more long-term way um is that we we adopt a school in inverted commas, again, adopt a school. And so we have teams of between eight and 16 people, and they will actually be assigned a little and a big. And so they will bring a third grade book and an eighth grade book mm-hmm. with them to the event. And then when they arrive with the third grade book, we actually teach them the same curriculum that we teach the third graders. So we'll sit everybody around the table and we teach them the same reading comprehension strategies that we teach the third graders. Mm-hmm. And we'll have them use sticky notes and actually annotate the third grade book that they donated. So they will they will learn the strategies and they will themselves um, interact with that text that they brought to the table. Oh, wow. Um, and they'll annotate it with their sticky notes and then they'll write it note in the front of that book and we'll give it to a kiddo and if you think about that from the third graders point of perspective it's a third grader being shown by a member of their community we just use these strategies these strategies that you're being taught twice a week Mm -hmm. this is how i used it in my everyday life and you know it's amazing to be able to take that opportunity to to bring up, you know, we can bring up the name of the company and like somebody in this company mm-hmm. used these exact strategies like in their life. And this is what they thought about this book that they gave you. It's incredibly powerful right. to oh, make yeah. that kind of real world connection for the for our kiddos, mm-hmm. but also for the adults to see, oh, this is what they're actually teaching the kids. Like this is kind of neat and it's really simple. And then in the second half, with the eighth grade book that they've bought, we have them write a letter. So they write, first of all, a letter of thanks to the eighth graders um, who donate three hours of their time per week oh, wow. um, to improve third grade reading. So they will actually say, you know, dear Fred, thank you so much for the time that you, you know, you give. And we kind of make jokes around like, I'm not giving three hours a week, so I'm kind of grateful that you are. Right. You know, we uh-huh. kind of have that conversation and I'm really quite happy to be bold with that one because it's fair not we don't necessarily have the time all the time um so they'll first of all it's saying thank you and kind of recognizing them as a hero in the community and then they also do a reflection on themselves in eighth grade so they try and kind of (laughs) share a little bit about who they are and why eighth grade was important to them and what that you know what they're doing now and things like that and so again it's a chance you're building those bridges across the community. There's very much a sense of other now, unfortunately, in our communities. And there's, you know, there's those who have and those who have not. And um, there are huge similarities between those, you know, two groups. Obviously, we're all humans. And so it's about making those human connections for both sides, for eighth graders, again, to see, wait, this person that I don't even know, they know my name. Right. Um, they know, you know, obviously we're careful of identity. They don't know their last names, but they they are recognizing the service of that eighth grader right. who's doing that yeah. huge, important work in mm-hmm. the community. And we see these, like, people share unbelievably powerful stories yeah. about things that affected them in, in eighth grade and the privilege that they have to be able to share that and to, to reckon, you know, see someone else making a difference in someone else's life. It inspires people to be so raw and so vulnerable and um, so generous of spirit that our eighth graders, it's, it's an incredibly powerful um, piece right. that actually the businesses never even get to see because we don't typically, we don't have that kind of what I think to be a bit of a circus moment of giving the book over and taking pictures. You know, we actually keep that 
you know, we let them have that moment themselves right. privately. Right. Um, but we can share, you know, yeah. how, how the effect that that had on the kids. But the most important thing for me as a business leader is there were eight people around that table who understand who we are as an organization mm-hmm. and who the kids are that we serve and how we right. serve them. And, and all of that being to, done in that one exercise. Is, right. And yeah. it takes like, I mean, we can do it anywhere. It, it can take anything between 40 minutes and two hours. It's right. actually incredibly easy to do. Right. Um, but I think it's, it's a really powerful time. And that's what, so it started with that, you know, that's mm-hmm. like, we'll come in and do this kind of, one off in inverted commas. I should use inverted commas less since we're on radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like this one off thing, and we'll kind of see what happens from that. Right. And then, right. Oh, yeah. that sounds great. And from our side, that event gave us the ability to learn more about the organization and connect a little bit deeper. We all went to Changing Hands in Tempe and picked out books together. And so that was really That's fun. Cool. The, the part that I, we haven't talked about that was that I think probably triggered it for me and really, really aligned Read Better, Be Better with Paracor is for us, we have a very, very uh, like grow and create growth is kind of an unofficial tagline for the company. And one thing that Sophie didn't mention is, and correct me if I'm wrong in this stat, but it's at third grade, kids um, are stop learning to read and they start reading to learn. Mm. And that's an inflection and transition point for them. Right. So if you can help them become better readers and actually transcend and transition to that next phase, you're literally affecting their entire life. Like one inflection point has an impact that will last, you know, really generations. Right. And so for me, that was really very impactful um, as someone who holds like learning dearly, but, and then, you know, starting to have kids, uh, I thought that that really connected with me. And that's a, something that I share in all sorts of meetings and business settings and everything else. Yeah. But that was that was the start. And then after that, we started talking about how else can we help and, and give back. And uh, I believe the next phase was running Facebook. Aver- uh, well, the, the first thing I think we actually did was setting up the Google Grants program, which uh-huh. is Google AdWords provides, I, I believe it's $10,000 per month to nonprofits with some restrictions around it, but basically free advertising. So right. we set that up and then also rolled into Facebook advertising where we had a budget and we were running ads to help try and generate and solicit, well, generate awareness, but then mm-hmm. solicit um, the tax credit donations. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm glad you brought up that Google grant because that's something I haven't, um, years ago, I worked with an organization on it and it was something that I hadn't actually even thought, you know, thought or heard about since then. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you brought that up because it is a really good point for for nonprofits out there that are looking for ways to, um, you know, kind of get, you know, what test the landscape out there what can we what can be done because i think a lot of times they think um oh paid advertising that's just for big businesses or that's just for oh if somebody who wants to be on you know the first page of google i don't see how that's going to benefit me um so i'm glad that you brought that up because that's that's um that's something that is a resource to any nonprofit that's out there they don't have to have any kind of you know special i, I guess it could take some time to to work your way through to get it so you worked on the tax credit. So information first, was that just the one main thing that you focused on? Um, or were you looking, I mean, were you looking to drive awareness um, as well? Or was it mostly just for that that tax credit campaign? Well, I think it was that at the, at the time. At the time, yeah. That was, and it was incredibly successful. Oh, good. I mean, yeah. We raised $17,000 oh, successful, awesome. um, which for an organization of our size, and to put that into context, that's... It's well a, a school and a half. Okay. Um, so that's you know that um, one whole school for one whole year. That's sixty four kids that get to re- receive the program. Wow. And that's um, and then that again, you know, that's that's a that's an incredibly successful campaign, right? Um, especially for an organization that has a marketing list of you know, even if now it's like a thousand, right? We would never have been able to get that level of of impact mm-hmm. alone. And I think, you know, some of those donors were definitely donors that we already knew. I think that, you know, that's absolutely the case. Um, but would they have been triggered to to do it? You right. know, we know that they were getting that visual in their feed um, that they wouldn't have been getting before. And there's there's a lot of um, research around people who want to give, absolutely want to give, mm-hmm. but wanting to give and being prepared to give. Right. And then actually clicking is very, very right. different. And mm-hmm. we have no 
we've got no uh, capacity as an organization to ensure that they do that click. Right. And making phone calls is incredibly Mm -hmm. time-consuming on an organization that has five full-time staff, two of whom are serving 3,000 kids. Yeah, it's not like you have a phone bank going. No, no, (laughs) we don't don't use volunteers in that way. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that that was an incredibly successful outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And then stage phase two is still in the design process. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So where are you going with the program? I mean, you just talked about how, how many schools are you in? Did you mention? We're now in 26. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we've doubled yes. since that, um, since over more than basically three times right. the size since then. Yeah. Right. And how do kids get involved with Like, So how do you determine who the eighth graders are that get, that get involved with it? And then the third graders, is it... Um, an entire class of of third graders, or is, are there certain kids that are picked out of that, you know, as as needing it po- possibly more than another classmate? Sure, I mean it's so at a macro level, we actually scale uh, with whole school districts at a time. We we looked at how we could be the most efficient on the money that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, once we found out. So it started with once we found out how how effective our tool was being the curriculum. So we are, the kids that receive Read Better, Be Better, as well as classroom instruction will outperform kids who only receive classroom instruction by between 20 and 37%. Wow. So, I mean, when you're looking at kind of three times X, that's mm-hmm. a pretty effective tool. So once we knew that, the question then was, how do we get it to as many kids as possible in a short amount of time as possible since the need, you know, like Adam said, third grade is it in terms of if you're, lo- if you're looking at a predictor of future success, you're four times less likely to graduate high school if you don't read at grade level at third grade. So we know what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to do it really fast um, and we need to do it really well. And we just talked about this. We don't compromise on quality, even though the education sector, unfortunately, um, is in a position where we kind of have to in terms of public schools, but Read Better Be Better doesn't because we have the luxury of being an independent agency. So we go whole school districts at a time, and that's based on leadership. You know, so the current superintendents that run our program, they market it themselves to other superintendents, so I don't have to do that. Oh, nice. Piece, which is really <laughs> um, and then the kids who get chosen within each of those schools, um, the third graders is very specific. So we do a lot of work, necessary technical professional work that teachers do in the classroom with kids. We've got kids in Phoenix reading at six words per minute in third grade. You know, those kids need professionals who are trained teachers to be in the classroom with them doing that that kind of technical work. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum of kids who are gifted, kids who have, you know, who have attention deficit, who need a lot of attention on the other end. You've got this whole middle piece. I kind of call it the Jim Collins good to great, but this whole like mid section who are chronically underserved, unfortunately. They call them bubble kids, the teachers. You know, they're they're kind of coasting. They're still considered at risk of being kept behind mm-hmm. on, with the move on when reading legislation, but they're not receiving those interventions that other kids are receiving. So those are the third graders that we're trying to serve. We're trying to meet a very specific community right. need. And mm-hmm. that, that came out of conversations with educators. And then the eighth graders are actually kind of, I wanted to use my inverted commas again. They're like <laughs> not your average volunteers. So they're they're kids who are showing what I think, and I don't I'm not alone in thinking that are very their leadership skills, but their leadership skills that are being used in the the wrong way. So kiddos who are seeking opportunities to be recognized um, by getting involved in gangs or making poor decisions, mm-hmm. getting involved with the police after school. Making poor decisions during the school day. So we there's school police officers, school social workers, principals who, as soon as we explain this opportunity, you can see that they start nodding kind of immediately when you're like, I know who those kids are. <laughs> um, and the, the kids who just haven't been given, in my humble opinion, who have not been given that opportunity for leadership right. that suits them, mm-hmm. right? They're not into sports. They're not into you know, on they're not on a roll debating club. Right. They don't see themselves that way. And that's kind of our fault too. Mm-hmm. Right. And um and you only have to walk into our classroom to see that like 
they just haven't been seen that way because right. that's been there the whole time. They're phenomenal, right. um, absolutely phenomenal. And you like the funniest thing is they're real disciplinarians. <laughs> you like got thrown out of class three times last week, and this third grader is sitting like not even allowed to kind of turn the page without asking for permission first. Uh, but they really step into that leadership role. Um, but they're passionate and they are. Um, you know, so, so vulnerable, which allows them to be so unbelievably powerful mm-hmm. in an education setting. And so they're, they're extraordinary and they blow our, our minds every day. Yeah. So that's how they're chosen. And I mean, it comes with complications. You know, those kids can can be a little bit more difficult to keep attending consistently because they have typically pretty complicated lives. But it's worth the struggle over oh, and over yeah. and over, and over again. So yeah. that's how they're chosen. So Adam, so she talked. I mean, that was a really amazing, successful campaign. I would say, like you said, I mean, just looking at what that has brought to you as far as successes, and go, what makes you think that you know? Why do you think it was so successful? And I guess I'm kind of going towards, you know, PPC is something that's very you know specific, and what I've always seen in the past is there's companies out there that it's it's one of the services that they offer, but they do so many other things. And I know I tried to do that. I was telling you a little bit beforehand. It's something I used to offer to clients and I actually had to pull back from just because it does take up so much of your time. So why are you guys so successful at it? Why do you think that campaign was so successful, particularly for, for Sophie, but why it's so successful for your clients as well? One of the reasons it's so successful for our clients is because just like you mentioned, we don't do basically anything else. Yeah. So we just focus exclusively on paid media and pay-per-click. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot of requests to do other things, um, but I also set expectations very early that that's just what we do. So we're we're exceptional at it. I, I rarely see a campaign that operates at the level that we're operating at just because we have, we're an office of 11, so we have six people on the account management team and uh, just a lot of experience and a lot of accounts running through our office. So mm-hmm. from a performance perspective, it's like, I always liken it to if, you know, if you have a a Ferrari or something and you need to take it to a shop, you're not going to take it to the mechanic down the road that works on all the cars, right? You (laughs) you take it to the Ferrari guy and you need to take it to a specialist. And so when, uh, if you're spending, you know, five, 10, $15,000 up to over a hundred thousand dollars a month on paid media, you don't want a junior account manager at a full service agency running that account and then doing social media in the afternoon right. and then sending an email marketing campaign later. Yeah. It's just not it's not a responsible oversight of that type of marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. The, the dollars that run through paid media are just very, very high. Right. So for us, we have success because we have an incredible amount of experience and it's all we focus on. And I know that it, it, it works because we're just uh, we're, we're busy just focusing on that one thing and I don't have any desire to branch out. Right. Um, <laughs> You're never so, sitting there going, yeah. gosh, I wish there was something else to do uh, I today. I wish I was busier. <laughs> <laughs> and, it does. It takes, I mean, it's not, um, a lot of times when I see somebody come to me and they say, oh, it was, I, I ran some Facebook ads and they didn't work or we tried Google AdWords and we did, it just didn't, you know, we didn't find any success with it. And I look and see well, how much time and effort did you put into it? Because it's not, you can't just like set it and forget it. You can't just throw some money out there and say, here's my message. I hope the right people get it. So I, you know, for me, the one of the reasons, again, why I had to let that piece go um, from my own agency was just because I just didn't have the time to sit there every day and go through everything. And I knew that's exactly what it took. Yeah. And and the platforms change constantly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Certain businesses are great for one industry or for one platform and not another. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of nuance to it. Um, you know, it's just constantly changing. And before, you know, a little bit earlier today, Sophie and I were talking about just marketing in general. And we were just touching on the, the know, like, and trust kind of uh, mm-hmm. funnel of people getting to know your business. And the type of marketing that we do, it falls in the no category initially where you're introducing a brand or a business to a certain population based on targeting. And so with Read Better, Be Better, that's really where the, you know, the, the genesis and the impact of digital marketing kind of, kind of plays in is that, that no category where people just don't know um, about organizations unless they're introduced to them. Right. And so that's just a very huge part of what we do because we're, I mean, we're paying to put someone in a position on Facebook or AdWords, but that's in a lot of respects, that's the only way to get there. One right. of the few ways to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you don't, I mean, like, like Sophie was mentioning, if you don't have the resources, you don't have, you're not 
taking telling your volunteers, hey, we want to make you, you know, we want you to make all these phone calls for us or mm-hmm. going out on, on Facebook and asking everybody, please share this, you know, over and over again. After yeah. a while, people are like, well, who, you know, who should I share it with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. With paid advertising, you know exactly who it's it's going to get in front of because, and you know that ahead of time, like who you want, you know, who's going to, who it's like to perform well with, who's, per, you know, donated in the past or purchased from you in the past and, and how's that going to um, reflect on who that target audience is. So um, do you work with other nonprofits in that sense? Or are you, I, I know you work with a lot of entrepreneurs and scaling of businesses and such. Um, was this something that you thought, I mean, with with how that campaign went with Sophie and, and her organization, is that something that you saw coming or do you see a future in working with other organizations in that way? Or You know, we haven't gone that direction. Yeah. I think with Read Better, Be Better, it was an opportunity that, that fell in and worked out, found a place and worked out really mm-hmm. well. So Paracor currently is, uh, I don't want to say, it's it services all types of businesses. So we work with home service companies, online e-commerce, a variety. And we've also recently launched a brand called Outdoor Adventure Marketing that's very, very, very specialized in the tour and activity space. Ooh. If you uh, go ATV riding or skydiving mm-hmm. or ziplining or something like that. so It's like a normal weekend. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if we were to do that, it would it would be a more concerted effort right. of creating a brand to service that mm-hmm. one market. Because I think that, it, you know, it, every every vertical has very, very, very specific needs. And it's like, how do you get the Google Grants program to actually perform? You know, that's like its own challenge. Right. There's there's just a lot of variables around verticals. So currently, it's uh, it's primarily the, the Read Better, Be Better that we worked on. Right. Yeah. And... Uh, where do you see the program going as far as um, as growth? I mean, you said you're in 26, 26 schools yeah. now. So are you looking for other schools to expand in? Are you looking at, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're in the same, I mean, I think we're sort of perpetually going to be in that um, as long as the social problem persists, I, I believe that we have a responsibility to try and address it. Um, because we have a tool that works, um, and and we know that it's a tool that works very successfully alongside classroom instruction. So mm-hmm. when we have no competitors, um, and as much as you know, you should never people shouldn't see nonprofits as competitors. But if we were having a business market competi- um, conversation, there's no one doing what we do. There's nobody getting data like like we're getting, and so it still is my every single waking moment is how do we get this to more kids? Right. There's 68,000 kids in Arizona that aren't reading at grade level and we're reaching 3,000 of them. Mm. And that's, you know, 2,970 more than we were reaching two years ago, which is a lot, but it's nowhere near where we need to be um, in terms of scale. So my kind of constant question is, you know, we uh, how do we how do we adjust our distribution model so that we can kind of meet kids where they are? Mm -hmm. Um, We'll always partner with schools. I I passionately believe in the public education system as an equalizer and a place of opportunity for all kids. But I think we can do more. So we would just, that was the conversation around marketing actually was, um, (laughs) was, you know, if we had a marketing professional on board, how, what would that look like? How do we, we now where we never used to before have people calling into our office all the time saying, my kid needs help, my kid needs help, my oh, kid needs help. Wow. And, yeah. um, which is, you know, in some ways, I guess you should be proud that people see you as a resource. But right. for me, I'm not like that. I'm just like, oh, we're letting people down. Like that immediately oh, for me is, right. is, I don't know what to tell you. I go to your local library and they're like, well, I've tried and it doesn't. You know, I think about, I have, I have a vision of, of anywhere where there are two kids, you know, you could potentially have this program in libraries, but in grocery stores. Um, like how many times have you seen parents getting mad with their kids at grocery stores because they're just frustrated? Because they're bored. They're, <laughs> right, they're bored and they're trying to get hold of all, you know, right, whatever. Right. Just leave them at the front. There's a whole bunch of big kids who've got nothing to do. And our kids will tell you over and over again, I just used to go home and watch Netflix or go on Instagram. And I do this and it makes me feel so much better. So we know that we're going to find big kids who'll take the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, So just leave them at the front of the grocery store with us and we'll, you know, we'll use their time. If 20 minutes is kind of all we need, like that's Mm -hmm. enough time. 
Um, but we need to gather data around that. You know, right. we need to do a social return on investment study to kind of see like what impact that has. You know, I believe that has an economic difference on our community and we can raise money around that. But yeah, the idea is any library, any YMCA, any, um, and a lot of those, those housing communities, a lot of housing communities are saying to us, listen, we've got kids. We're trying to do programming, but you know, it kind of looks a little bit like we just got a donated box of books right. and we put them in the kids went wild out. for yeah, it. Right. And we're like, oh my good. Like imagine if you just gave them our curriculum right. and let them do it. It's the community, you know, helping mm-hmm. itself. Yes, we would need to to train, but it's essentially you're providing tools and an avenue and opportunity for people to look after each other in their own community. And that has ripple benefits that only um, a professor who's a brain, you know, an SROI study is going to be able to truly understand what that means on a five-year. But I would be excited to find out. So there's a lot to do um, <laughs> but we just you know we 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 our strategic plans very simple it's it's we got to get to 60 six uh, what are we 6800 kids by 2021 mm. um so we're focusing on getting more kids into the classrooms that we serve and getting more school partnerships and where did the curriculum was that something that you developed is it something that you picked up from from something else or where did the curriculum come from yeah i i'm I, although I hesitate to take any credit in that, um, I, you, you know, I, I love people. Um, so I talked to a lot of teachers. Um, Stephanie Harvey wrote a book. Um, she's a fairly ubiquitous, um, university accepted writer of comprehension strategies. So a lot of her work is in there, but talking to teachers, I read a lot. It took about seven months. I was really trying to find someone else doing it. I'm right. like the most reluctant entrepreneur. I'm like not in Adam's <laughs> entrepreneurial group. I was like, did not want to do this. So I spent seven months trying to find someone else who was doing it. And then sort of kicking and screaming and sort of being pulled. At the same time, I was just having a lot of conversations and reading a lot. And eventually, you know, kind of came up with something that I thought was uh, my first boss always said, you know, if you if I'd had longer, I would have come up with something simpler. My job was to make it as simple as possible so that we knew that we could have an effective, an effective intervention, I guess, but mitigate for the risk of eighth grade drama. <laughs> um, so, so it's very simple. You right. Know, um, and it's based on a lot of very well-researched and very smart people mm-hmm. doing a lot of work before I came along. So. Yeah. Yeah. And where do you see, Adam, kind of where your your role and Paracor's role in in moving forward with their their goals? It sounds like you guys were talking already, like you said, a little bit about kind of marketing strategy and where you see that. Where do you see Paracor going from here with that? With them, yeah, that's probably a little bit TBD, as Sophie yeah. mentioned earlier. Phase two is in design, but it's you know with the amount of time that's spent on social, uh, I feel like that has to be has to be a strategy for right. just kind of nonprofits in general, businesses in general. Mm-hmm. But even if it's not paid, I think there's still a lot to even be said for organic. And you know, Instagram stories are just this place that people hang out in all the time, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, that's not really a paid thing, even though there's paid ads in there. Um, so I think probably contributing more, um, you know, kind of going down that road a little bit further. And earlier today, we were talking about this, this, this byproduct of, of the campaign that we had run before with, so my CPA is EECPA. They're located in North Scottsdale, an excellent accounting firm. And I talked to my CPA over there and just said, hey, this is what we're doing with Read Better, Be Better, and with the tax credit deal. Mm-hmm. That's you know that that's a, a very uh, you know easy way to drive funds. You know, kind of more you know instead of just direct donations. So for her, she's filing a lot of tax returns, mm-hmm. and a lot of times businesses or people are saying, hey, I want that credit, right? But I don't have a strong opinion about where it goes, right. which you know is kind of just an interesting concept in general, but. So she basically set up Read Better, Be Better. I, I think the default organization that her oh, wow. That's uh, great. accounting firm would donate to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were just talking about impact and how impact spreads for longer periods of time than like us doing like the uh, the book signing, which is kind of like the one-off or even running the Facebook campaign, which mm-hmm. was for a set period of time. Right, and now right. 
even much uh, much later, uh, Sophie was mentioning a, a tax change or some sort of change earlier this year where just an influx of donations came in because it was time sensitive. Yep. And uh, Elizabeth at ECPA made that happen just doing her normal course of business. Yep. And so I don't know, that that really struck struck me as far as a scale, it's like a referral partner program, like yeah. a scalable program <laughs> right. where it just happens in your business mm-hmm. without really putting a lot of thought into it. And you can't forget about it if it's... Yeah. So I really, I don't know, just that entire conversation really struck me as powerful because some relationship that started and a process that was put in place by EECPA turned into a lot of funds being donated to Read Better, Be Better. And I think I was reading over some emails... Sophie didn't even know where the funds were coming from. And- I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I, it took, I, it's only because I used to be a headhunter because this is so. There's something about Adam is that I don't think he recognizes, you know, kind of the 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 value that he's had to our organization, or uh, I guess perhaps like how unique they are as an organization. Mm-hmm. I'm mean, I meet a lot of people at a lot of companies, and um, what I think is kind of funny is when I um, asked Adam to come onto the show, he's like, "I think you sent this to the wrong person." Oh. Um, and I, I say that to say that he obviously doesn't recognize it's not it's not about that one afternoon of volunteering. It's not about um, the even the tax credit campaign. It's not even about that dollar amount. It's not even about it's it's about when you meet someone and you have that conversation and I say like this is what it means to kids if they don't read at grade level at third grade and you can see the fact that he can two years later that that's his saying that was his reason for doing it now unfortunately my everyday life is that I do seven eight external meetings a day that's not everyone. That's mm-hmm. not why everybody chooses to do community work. There are lots of other reasons that people do community work or do volunteering activities. And I believe that we have integrity as an organization. And I recognize and deeply appreciate partners who who do that work for that reason. And so, yeah, he didn't tell me that he'd told his CPA to donate, to, to direct <laughs> like thousands and thousands of dollars of donations. All of a like, who, why are we suddenly, because I, I know everyone who donates yeah. to our organization, you know, we're that size. Yeah. And we have a $650,000 budget now, but I still pretty much know everyone who donates. I'm like, this is weird thing. We're just getting, and it was all 400s and 800s. So I knew it was tax right. credit. And a lot of them, her staff, so the EECPA staff were themselves taking advantage of that, which is fine. Oh, so there was nice. a common denominator. Right. So I'm like, okay, let's look out now. I, yeah, my, I was a headhunter very early. My husband was like, okay, let's find out who EECPA is. And then she got hold. And then she, Elizabeth is the same way. She doesn't do it. So when I reached out, I went, who are you, angel of, you know, yeah. like, why, where is this coming from? Um, and she, I don't think she responded even. Um, and then I just looked and I saw, oh, she knows Adam. Yeah. So then I asked Adam, he's like, oh, I like mentioned your name. And then, <laughs> so they don't, you know, it, it means a lot to an organization like us. Um, right. but the fact that someone would, you know, take the time out of their revenue generating day to do that. And it, yeah, it, that, that, that's what it means when you have a partner who you know is doing it because they, genuinely want you to be successful right. because they genuinely believe in your mission. Yep. And it's very it's very unique um and it's I I, I just it it makes my day yeah. better. You know. Well, it, and it goes back to you at the very beginning of the show stating, you know, this is how you build your relationships um and it's on that authenticity and obviously, you know, there was mm-hmm. something in that that yeah you know, that draws in the right people and, you know, touched on, you know, Adam for one to even say, hey, I think there's more that we could do here than just signing these books. What else can we do? Uh, And just learning your story and learning about your organization and how you do things and, you know, learning about that integrity. And then, like you said, just down the road, you're like, oh, you know, then it gets to the point where you're thinking, I didn't really do anything. I just happened to mention to my CPA, but look at, I mean, just look at the impact that that had. And so it really kind of goes back to, again, that, you know, just the building of those relationships and and how that is. You didn't come out and say to Adam, we need thousands of dollars to grow our program. Um, do you have thousands of dollars to give me? And he's like, sure, here you go. It doesn't, <laughs> it's hard to, you know, right. it's, 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 
it seems like a simple concept, but a lot of times there's nonprofits out there who are doing the exact same thing. And they're wondering why. Why won't people give us money? Mm-hmm. And it's because there's a relationship that needs to be built there. And it right. might take some time. And it takes, you know, it could take hours of a certain program or an event or whatever that may be. But look at the outcome of that. I mean, down the road and the type of relationship that you were able to to get out of that. So kind of, you know, kudos to both of you on that. I mean, you're talking about, oh, Adam doesn't take any credit and da da da. I don't know that you're taking the credit for that either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really feel like I did all that much. But, <laughs> I know, um, see? But I think, <laughs> I, uh, well, what I think is, I was, I'm sort of thinking, you know, we, we don't do it. I mean, people would say, like, I, I often kind of think I don't do a good enough job of asking people for things that we need. But I also think if you have a true relationship, when that thing that we need is an organization that we genuinely need, right. not like we need $50,000 because we obviously have $50,000. <laughs> Who could But what do we, like, genuinely need? I'm pretty sure, and, you know, you don't have to, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure if I picked up the phone and I said, our organization really needs this thing. Right. Can you help me? Or this, you know, or that moment will come. Mm-hmm. It will come. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's it got to be, it has to be, again, it's got to respect the relationship that's yes. built. I'm not going to waste your time. Right. I'm not going to, we didn't run a campaign last year. We knew that we couldn't do the work as an organization that needed to go into that. It's disrespectful to, to take that on when you know it just wasn't the right time. We didn't have the capacity then to do our piece well. Right. And so it's not, that's, I mean, that's what relationships are built around, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're flexible and it's about knowing there are a few businesses, um, a few business leaders in the community who I know that if the time came that I needed to pick up the phone and say, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. This is why it's important. This is what we need. I think that they will respect my leadership to right. know like, okay, this is the time. Like, right. She hasn't asked us for... Right. Because- that's what I was going to touch on. They know that if you're calling, then it's... it's- yeah. You know me. You know you I mean so. you're serious about it, and it's yeah. not. Um, you know, it's not just a. Oh, it would be nice. If we right exactly. Yeah, this or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our offices and our, our chairs are really. Uh, you know, it's it's like it's um it's got a it's a respectful right. it's a respect for someone's business. It's a respect for someone's money. It's a respect mm-hmm. for someone's time more than anything. I think right. for everyone. Oh yeah. Um. So it's the relationships that are they're import are the important yeah piece. Yeah. How often, because I want to, we're on, running on time. This always happens. I don't know how this happens, but it does. Um, how are, if there's other businesses that want to be involved, they're listening to this and they're thinking, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Even if it is, if, even if it is something like, oh, we want to go buy, you know, buy the books and see the process. I thought and- you were going to say buy the office chairs because I was half joking, <laughs> but we'll, we'll take the office chairs. We don't actually have an office, but we'll take them, we'll take them with us when we get an office. Just kidding. Sorry, carry on. That's okay. No, that's so funny because we do. I end up doing that half the time on the show. Somebody will say something, and I'm like, "So if anyone out there has, you know, ten office chairs, no." So if there are other businesses, so you did mention that that event that you do is that just mm-hmm. something you do once a year, or is it something that you would plan around if a business was to come to you and say, "Hey, that sounds amazing," you know, it really fits in with our mission and what we're wanting to do. Our employees are wanting to do. Um, is that something that they can come? Absolutely. Yeah. You can see it on our, um, on our website, but you can, you can get in contact with us. So it's, it's groups of, we usually, because we have 32 kids in the classroom. So we usually say if you can get 16 and we have 16 littles and 16 bigs. So if you have a group of 16, that's perfect. Um, but obviously we can flex around that. Right. But we usually do between groups of between eight and 16 people. We do a lot of them around the holidays. Okay. And we have a very small team. So like I said, if it's, um, we will choose who we do who we do those activities with, right? Um, and it it it's usually based around companies that we feel we have shared values with. Also, if companies have already donated, then we we would tend to do that too as well. Mm-hmm. Then that's kind of fair, I feel like. But we we just have such limited resource that we have to. I if if we're doing that, I'm using funder dollars. That's my my my, yeah. my mind is always that. And mm-hmm. is that what a funder wants me to be? doing doing right now um, mm-hmm. but I also think it is a phenomenal opportunity to to 
enable people to have a bit of an insight because we also don't do, I'm I kind of do a lot of things a little bit differently I don't like taking cr- huge groups of people to our sites right our kids are busy we're doing the work yep. that we're doing <laughs> you know I just don't I, I'm not really a believer in that you know I think people who who might personally fund a school then sure yeah absolutely that makes sense but taking kind of groups of people to see the program in action is just distracting. Yeah. So um, I tried to find a way that we could give people that insight without mm-hmm. necessarily distracting from the work that we do. So um, I love those volunteer yeah. activities. Usually people do, um, a, a, the tax credit's a great opportunity there. Yeah. So most of the time, most of the people around that table um, will choose to to at least, at least I say that, but um direct their tax credit dollars because if you're giving your tax credit you're not strictly speaking giving right personal opinion so um that's why i say at least i'm not undermining 400 bucks is a lot of money that's two kids for us so i'm not i'm not saying that that's not a lot of money it's just that it's not actually (laughs) giving per se yeah and adam Companies that are interested in um, in PPC, maybe they haven't done it before, they've done it and they're not happy with what the results were and they're thinking, okay, I'm going to buckle down and get serious about this. How do they get in touch? With, who, who do you work with? Is there, are there, you mentioned a few different types of businesses you work with. Um, who, who should be contacting you um, and how should they do that? Yeah, you can uh, get in touch with us at paracore.com. That's mm-hmm. my website. Um, my email is adam at paracore.com. But we work with uh, a variety of types of businesses. I would say probably the one category that we don't work with extensively is B2B. Mm-hmm. So um, like if you were, um, well, I mean, lawyers we often work with, but, uh, you know, like a, a CPA firm or something like that is typically the, the one category that we have a hard time with um, just based on how we do our digital marketing. Mm-hmm. But so B2C companies, online e-commerce, home services, um, you know, anyone that gets a lot of their business online and... There are certain types of businesses like, um, let's say, plumbers or electricians, where essentially almost all of their business comes from digital advertising. And those businesses will kind of know who they are. Right. Uh, but then, as I was mentioning earlier, we do a lot of work in the tour and activity space. So anyone that runs a tour or an activity, mm-hmm. we have a completely different model for them, which is kind of it's pay for performance and you only pay if you get results. So yeah. it's kind of a different deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Wow. <laughs> That's- Yeah. Well, so as we're winding down, um, we will have all of your information um, on the website after this gets posted um, online. Um, And I think you already mentioned websites. So definitely if anybody's listening in, you're interested in getting involved either with... I keep wanting to do it backwards. Oh, read, read better, better, be, be better. better. It's okay. I can't pronounce it. So you're, <laughs> and I run it. So. I'm like, I'm going to pronounce this backwards, but I don't want to. Um, whether you're looking to get involved with read better, be better, um, or even just check out the program um, a little bit more and learn some more, definitely check out the website. Same thing with Paracore. If, um, if you are really wanting to take that leap into, um, into paid advertising online, definitely do it with somebody like uh, like Paracore, who, like he said, that's all that they do. Um, your time is uh, your money. <laughs> Their time is not being split between um, several different um, services. So, on that note, let's go ahead and wrap things up today. Thank you both so much for being in here today. Um, it was um, so nice having you. So nice learning about both of you, and I wish you both uh, just continued um, success in that relationship because it does, it sounds really amazing. And I really liked getting to know a little bit more about how that all started and kind of where that's going. So on that note, you've been listening to 3C Amplified, where we share how others are connecting, creating, and collaborating to amplify their impact. And we hope we've inspired you to do the same in your community. Until next time, I'm Jacqueline DeStrems with Another Hand Advantage. Let me help create a marketing strategy to put your organization's mission in front of your target audience and highlight the impact you're having in your community. Mm